Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Tom Wooten and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, or TICT, which is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you are a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, remember there are now over 100 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TICT website at tict.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and Pakana, and TICT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past and present, for their enduring care and management of these islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, McDermott's Coaches. McDermott's Coaches are Tasmania's largest coach tour and specialist transport service provider, supplying tours, transfers and coach charters for large and small groups around Tasmania and interstate. They offer the local knowledge and experience of the McDermott family, along with over 50 staff, all of whom are committed to delivering a great service. Thanks to McDermott's Coaches for their generous support of TICT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. Now for today's conversation with Joe Pickett, who is General Manager of Spring Bay Mill. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Uh, pleasure, Tom. Nice to be here. Joe has a background in project management and events production, with more than 10 years' experience managing arts and community events. His career has taken some surprising tangents, including a stint as logistics manager for a humanitarian organisation, where he worked in Libya and Jordan, coordinating the logistical capacities of aid projects. More recent project delivery credits include the development of the Hanging Gardens Precinct for Dark Lab and Riverlea Property Group, and Joe has been the project manager of the Dark Mofo Winter Feast, manager of Signet Folk Festival, and producer of the Tasmanian Circus Festival, among other event credits. Now, Joe is the general manager at Spring Bay Mill, a 43-hectare waterfront site that is being managed by a group of Breitsparks intent on charting a sustainable path. While the business is about hosting large and small events, it is also regenerating and repurposing the old wood chip mill site with a range of horticultural activities. So, Joe, that's quite uh, a CV there. Uh, you've been very busy. Uh, yes, yes. I've, <laughs> I've um, had, had some um, interesting projects that I've been able to be involved with over the years and find myself um, in, a, in a role leading a leading a. A, a regenerative um, tourism project in Tassie is a really, I think, a great place to be because it kind of pulls together lots of different learning from different industries um, across business and and non-profit as well. Yeah, great. Um, pulling the two things together. So I want to dig into uh, what this, I mean, we're hearing the word a lot, regenerative tourism and po- positive impact tourism and the like. But before we do, um, just to give our listeners um, some context here, can you start by telling us more about Spring Bay Mill and your role there? How are you collaborating with, with people in the area on that project? Certainly. Uh, so Spring Bay Mill, uh, we think, is a really interesting case study in regenerative tourism. So that's why I thought we should, you know, come together today to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Spring Bay Mill was formerly a wood chip mill. A lot of people will know quite passionately the story and the, the role that it has played in the local economy for many, many years. 
it was uh, operating wood chip mill from the 70s through to uh, about 2010, 2011, about 40 years. Through the peak of that time, it was exporting 600,000 tonnes per year of wood chips through that, that port site mm-hmm. at Tribuna um, and exporting to Japan and other markets. Uh, and in 2011, Graham Wood, who's one of the current owners, it's currently owned by Graham Wood and Anna Cernias, mm-hmm. they were involved in um, underwriting the purchase um, of the mill. Then they purchased this former industrial site um, with the intent to turn it into something um, more productive, uh, more regenerative and to conserve the land for, for future generations. So... Uh, yeah, so we're about 10 years into that that story now. Um, we've had a lot of master planning involved uh, throughout the last 10 years of their ownership mm-hmm. and it almost coinciding with COVID, which has been very interesting for everyone in our sector. Of course. The mill was ready to to kind of uh, release and really be open for business as, a, as an event destination. So we've got some... Amazing facilities there. Got you know a function centre, accommodation for about a hundred guests, and a whole lot of uh, horticultural works that are happening on that site to re- repurpose the land. Great. Uh, so all this comes together in a project with around thirty or forty staff based out there at Tribuna, working, well, you know, year round to to make something amazing happen and do a project that we're all proud of and uh, linked to a lot of environmental work is what our focus and our passions are around. And that's what's, what I'm really interested to dig into here. Um, I, I have been to the Spring Bay Mill site for, for an event, in fact, uh, probably a couple of years ago now when TICT hosted uh, an industry event there. Uh, you talk about a project to be proud of. It seemed to me that at that point there was already plenty to be proud of, uh, a site repurposed the way that it had been uh, presented so beautifully and creating um, an event space in such a special uh, part of the state. I now learn about what has happened since uh, and the, uh, as you say, the horticultural work. Am I right in saying the installation of an amphitheatre? Um, you, you just mentioned 100 beds of accommodation. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's been a big project. There's been quite a lot of construction works over the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amphitheatre is a particularly amazing piece of repurposed architecture. It looks like it, it yeah. It, it was part of uh, the 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 wood chipping conveyor belts they would screen and sort the wood chips and then um send them into a massive pile and anyone who visited the east coast as a as a kid will remember um you know getting catching the Mariah ferry past the massive wood chip pile so the what was in the middle of that pile was the slew wall that would that would pump out the wood chips yep uh, that wall is now uh, a contained amphitheatre space and we've built, you know, a raked grass area mm-hmm. so we can fit about um, seven or 800 people in, a, in an amphitheatre for performances and events up there. Great. It looks, it looks spectacular. Inflections of the Colosseum, some stark differences, of course. But, uh, yeah, it looks, looks a lot of fun. Yeah, it's quite powerful to stand up there and be in the space. We t- take a lot of stargazing uh, experiences up there, so we like to get, you know, business groups and and guests to the site to to kind of connect with with the natural elements. Yeah. Uh, so often we take them up there, and you, it's a really great spot to just see, you know, without light pollution, really powerful sky. 
Yeah, great. And there's a real movement, isn't there, around the dark sky experience? Yeah, we love the dark sky projects. Mm. We've, we've got um, a, a collaborator that we work with uh, a lot, Beaker Street. Uh, yep. we, we really like working with them and they, they host uh, an event in August at the mill called Nocturna. Great. which is um, celebrating our dark skies. Yep, no, terrific. So, look, th- I'm really interested in this this purpose, and I know our listeners will be as well, this this, this higher purpose or deeper purpose, this triple bottom line approach of not just um, developing a tourism operation to generate profit but also to create good to put back into the area, into the community. And I know you're talking a lot about ecological regeneration. Can you explain a bit about what it is you're doing exactly and how it is, uh, how it does go right to the bottom line uh, of giving back to the community? Sure. We have an interesting approach to the triple bottom line, um, which I think a lot of businesses are talking about, and it's it's front of front of centre in in all of the good work that all of all of us are doing, and in, in the um, purpose driven business sectors mm-hmm. and we approach it as a, a paradox harmony where these things need to exist alongside each other. So profit is not a, a exclusive driver for um, the project at Spring Bay Mill, although it's it's obviously an important part of every business and we all need to watch watch that. And it's been we've been tested through the last couple of years of COVID. Of course. Um, but as that that we um you know, we see that kind of the dichotomy of the profit and purpose um, as a as a as a harmony, yep. um, living living alongside each other. And the way that we could, you can really see that showing is through the site at the um, connection between industry and nature. Mm-hmm. So, although it's been an industrial site for for maybe a hundred years or best part of a hundred years, that's um, just a drop in in the ocean of the the natural values of that site and the they're local ecologies that are slowly repairing and the long work that we do around kind of protecting that that ecology for the future. Yep. I think, um, you know, to link it back to, I think, your thoughtful acknowledgement of country at the beginning, uh, I think you said that the Palawapakana people of Tasmania have had constant care of this country. I think that's a really important concept that we all need to kind of acknowledge through all our work is, mm-hmm. you know, as outsiders and as you know, we haven't been here for um, a huge amount of time. Mm. The tens, many tens of thousands of years of, of long-standing care of the country is something that we're trying to learn from and adapt into it. The way that we we look at the site that we've got, a hun- you know, we've got a hundred acres there on a on a peninsula yep. in on the east coast with some really, you know, some really interesting endemic um, coastal species. Mm-hmm. So we've been working. Uh, We've been working with some great partners through TAC um, and other Aboriginal Tasmanian Aboriginal groups mm-hmm. that have been sharing their knowledge very open and generously with us around fire stick burning practices. Yep. So that's something that that we've been um, working on at the mill just in the last year, but yeah, it will be an ongoing part of our planning cycles many years to come. It's not something that you can just do once and oh, of course. forget about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, Joe, I think from what you're saying, and this is sort of interesting to me, that 
and I think even the way I frame the question that giving back to the community is often considered in financial terms, but r- really what you're doing here is uh, it's not such a financial give back as it is a doing the right thing and bringing back that you know ecological regeneration, uh, acknowledging the the uh, immense history. Um, that, that predates uh, European settlement here, all of those things that are doing the right thing by the site and therefore doing the right thing by the community. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's doing the right thing by the community and at the same time doing the right thing for the business mm-hmm. long term as well. I mean, we see the local community as a as the chief collaborator in the, in the vision for Spring Bay Mill, so that's important that w- what we do is linked to that to Tribuna and the region, the local economy. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing, isn't it, about the concept of triple bottom line is that they both sit equally on the on the bottom line. It's not that one that helps get to the other. Uh, they're both as important as each other, doing the right thing and, and profitability, but the two need to coexist, obviously, for any business. With that in mind, Joe, and acknowledging those that are listening to this podcast, how can other tourism businesses start to think this way, start to think about both making a living, but also doing the right thing, giving back and uh, and thinking regeneratively about their tourism business? Well, I think the first thing I'll say is that we we all have to be doing this work. It's it's the cost of doing business yep. now. It's not like an, an add-on. It, it really is core to our consumers' needs. Yep. And that's what we're seeing through all of the um, inquiry that we get. We, we host, you know, we the main part of our, profit centre of our business is to host larger corporate gatherings at the mill. So that's where we put our efforts into promotion and we talk a lot with um, destination planners and the professional conference organiser market on the mainland, Um, these people that are working in-house with corporate groups. And what we're hearing is that the purpose is how they're going to make their decisions over the next few years, where they bring their teams to to go for, for corporate gatherings, that they're all driven by um, what what is an, what is a story that we can connect with mm-hmm. and um, have our staff uh, do something that's uh, responsible yep. um, rather than jet-setting on planes to Bali. I think that that's probably not going to be a part of um, how people gather for the next five to ten years. Yep. There's a real intentional intentional travel that... that um, movement that I think that we're all, you know, everyone who's in the tourism sector is really aware of this. Yep. Absolutely. Also doing business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And look, yeah. that's that's obviously a a trend that was emerging with gusto pre-COVID, you might say, uh, people uh, much more socially aware, uh, ethical purchasing, both in, in, in travel and, and many uh, industries, I would say. Um, but but certainly COVID has given that a kickstart, wouldn't you say, that now they, the post-COVID, if we can call it that yet, uh, environment, people want to make sure that they are doing something that, that reconnects in a good way um, uh, to themselves, but uh, uh, to, to a purpose as well. Yes, yes. And I, I think that we're having really meaningful conversations with, with these clients now. Yep. Um, and it's not as simple as... Um, uh, the rubber stamp sustainability mm-hmm. um, ticks through through our marketing anymore. Yep. I think that they, the people can see through that really quickly. And so the the deep dives that we take people on when they come to the mill. So we is is that's where we're putting our efforts, yep. and we w- want to see people um, doing work that's um, part of the regeneration. So these business groups will come, and I mean. 
we talk about tree planting, I think, just because it's an easy concept to grasp, but um, the the work is much more complex than tree planting. Yep. But that's something we would be doing with a typical business group on the site is we'd be taking them out there, teaching them about some of the eucalypt species that are that are threatened in Tasmania yep. or the, you know, the grasslands that we've, you know, we've been losing at a massive rate, um, the na- native grasslands of Tasmania that are important part of the landscape here. Yeah. And we grow, um, we've got a big nursery on the site where we grow a lot of tube stock of these plants and then we'll bring the, the corporate groups into the nursery with some of our experts, they'll learn about these 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 species, and then they'll go out and actually hands-on plant things. And I think that that's really important to show people by doing, you know, in the landscape, directly on the site, you know, connecting to the the story of, yeah. of that regeneration. Yeah, God, I can imagine. I mean, the people coming in and learning about a destination that way is so much. You're sort of in it instead of on it. You know, you you, you learn about it, you understand it. You're so much more likely to to care about it then going forward, maybe to return, uh, maybe even to take some of those learnings back into your own life and um, and adopt some of those sort of ethical practices, uh, particularly in this sort of ecological context that you guys are doing. Yeah, and I think part of that storytelling is also having an influence on changing hearts and minds slowly. You know, we, we see great inquiring consumers coming to us with this need of they want to do something sustainable, but then we need to really tell that story through every touch point of of our business and um, the kind of activity that we want to host out there. Yep. Um, all, the, all the little things that we do are part of that story. I think that's perhaps you know? the outtake here as well, Joe, for those listening is that, um, and as you, in, to use your words, the, the idea of the rubber stamping, those days are gone. It's not enough now to sort of just, you know, try to abolish single-use plastics. It's about having that story and that's something that I would think any tourism business at any scale can look to adopt is just understand or, or sort of try to discern what is their story, what are they doing that is giving back, who's doing the right thing and making sure they're sharing that story with their, their visitors. Yeah, we're, um, we're constantly on, on that journey of storytelling and, yeah, it's an evolving piece of our, of our puzzle. Yeah. We're, you know, we're shifting from probably the start-up phase of a, of a, of a project to, to this growth phase. So yeah. we've, you know, in the I've been with at Spring Bay Mill for a year now, and and um, we've we've tried a lot of things. We're throwing a lot lot of um, concepts at the wall. We've got the the facility, um, and we've got the team, and um, uh, and we've got this great value base that underpins the work that we do. Yep. And now we've just um, got all this possibility as as we see the business respond back from. From COVID or yep. post-COVID or the during COVID market that we're going to be in over the next couple of years, <laughs> we're all trying to find the words for that at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. New a new way of doing business. I think it fits with the it fits with our um, adjusted purpose of, of all the good, good work that other businesses are doing too. It has given us time to reflect in many ways. Yeah, and so we've we've talked about the uh, the ecological work you're doing, the the showcasing of uh, indigenous practices that've been going on there for thousands of years. Uh, is there anything uh, that you're able to tell us about that might be coming soon for Spring Bay Mill um, in this regenerative tourism space? We do host our own events. Yep. Every summer we host a Sunflower Festival, so that's a great chance for people to come out and walk through the gardens. Yep. We've got um, all these excellent organic native vegetable gardens that we've been growing on the site and that, that garden produce feeds the kitchen and right. all the business events. Yep. 
so that's a good chance to come out and try some of the produce and see what's on offer. Also, um, Dark Sky, um, the Nocturna event yep. with Beaker Street in August. Um, we do have another event that I, I can't quite talk about yet. It's it's on the cards. It's a but um, I'll just I'll this will be the first time I mention it. But it's involving squid. So okay. Well, you, you, we've been talking a lot about squid here on the east coast yep. as a as a sustainable um, food source uh, into the future. So we're we're really trying to uh, do a do a feature event around around squid. So. Fantastic, great. Well, you've, you've expect pla- more news on that soon. <laughs> planted the seed, pardon the pun. Uh, we'll we'll eagerly await more news on that one. Well, thanks so much. And again, I think there is plenty there that uh, listeners can consider in terms of how they, uh, one, think about how they can give back to their uh, to their lands, to their community, to their story, but, but two, framing up that story and making sure that whatever it is they are doing, they're sharing with, uh, with their visitors by whatever means they can, whether that be face-to-face personally or through their paraphernalia or online, um, social media. And if we can be doing it as a destination, as Tasmania, it's a, it's a really good place for us to be, I would suggest. Yeah, and we're all, we're all partnering on that story together. So, That's you know, it. I really welcome working with other values-aligned businesses too to see how we can tell it better and, you know, yeah, improve fantastic. on all this great work. Of course. Now, Joe, uh, we have seven big questions coming your way. As <laughs> I think, you, as I think you're exactly right. And it's lovely to hear uh, what's going on at Spring Bay Mill. But now we get to the really, uh, to the thick of it. Joe, favourite spot in Tasmania and why? I'm going to have to say Mariah Island. Uh, Mariah Island is just a stunning location. Uh, we look at it um, every day from our office at Spring Bay Mill. Yep. And uh, we get to go there with with um, tour groups quite regularly, and I've explored many parts of the island. Uh, it's just, yeah, really, we're so lucky to have to have that as part of our coastline there. We really are. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, your favourite travel destination anywhere in the world, not constrained to Tasmania, but of course it could still be Tasmanian. What's, what's your favourite? Well, I do love Tasmania, but um, I think an interesting place uh, that I've had the um, privilege of visiting is is Petra in in Jordan in the Middle East. Yeah, great. Uh, which is a, a um, Neolithic, I think, um, civilization. Yep. So we're talking three hundred BC, um, which is two and uh, roughly two and a half thousand years ago. Which, coming back to our previous comment of the history of the Palawan and Pakana people in Tasmania, yep. it's not a pat not a patch on the history that we've got here. Oh yeah. And just forgive my ignorance here, Joe. If 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 monolithic is is one rock, what's what's neolithic? Neolithic. Oh, I I think it's it's the period. Of, so, someone um, smart will probably correct me on this. <laughs> I'm sure, but I think it's about two thousand or three thousand years right, ago. Okay. Yep. Um, is that is neolithic? And um, or I might have got the the word wrong, but it's um the the period that Petra. Yep. was um, built in, which is very early um, uh, civilization, and yep. they can show still the 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 how people lived in yep. um, carved out rock um, buildings. It is extraordinary. Yeah, great. Okay, uh, question number three: Someone is coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives and asks you, "What's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here?" What do you tell them? 
I think I have to spruik the East Coast here. Um, I love it and I've always enjoyed spending time there. Um, just soaking up as many of the amazing beaches as they can. Yep. Um, and even in the winter, with the beaches on the East Coast are just stunning. They really are. Right around the year, you say the winter, even, you know, autumn through there, it's so still, isn't it? It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, great. Question number four, you're walking the overland track for five days with three other people. Anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, living or dead, who and why? Well, I am actually going on the overland track this weekend. A real life response. This is good. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I have to say, uh, well, I'm going with my wife um, and her mother and her brother. So um, You're going to have to be uh, so careful how you answer this now. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, if they're going to be listening, I I better say that they are the three people (laughs) that I I would most like to travel the overland track with. Um, It'll be great company, so I'm really looking forward to it. Very diplomatic response. Good one. (laughs) Okay, uh, you're road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Bahamas recently. Right. Um, and um, I don't mind a bit of Bill Callahan for a road trip. Okay, good one. Uh, and when you arrive at your destination on this road trip, what is your tipple of choice? Uh, any, any Tassie um, wine, minimal intervention if possible, <laughs> um, you know, anything by Sinapius, Houston Hughes, Stefano Lubiano, oh, we've just got so many great winemakers here at the moment. Yep. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> of course. No, terrific. And the last one, Joe, the big debate, curried Tasmanian scallops, are they a culinary delight or a culinary crime? This was the hardest question by far <laughs> in the whole list. Um, after agonising on it and thinking back to my personal experiences, yep. I'm going to say a culinary delight but only once a decade. Right, okay. Wow. A layered response and uh, so considered uh, once a decade a delight. Beyond that, maybe it moves into crime <laughs> territory. Yeah, you've got to use it sparingly. <laughs> it's good, like anything good perhaps. Joe, thank you so much and uh, sincere congratulations, commendation on, on the work that you're doing there at Spring Bay Mill. I think it, it really is uh, the next frontier for tourism in Tasmania is thinking about uh, exactly that, how we can do good, positive impact tourism in a whole range of ways, but but also sharing that story with our with our visitors to the state. So well done and, and good luck for the next chapter, mate. Thanks, Tom, and thanks to the TICT team and everyone else who's doing great work in this field also. Yeah, no worries. And thank you all for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. Also remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner, McDermott's Coaches. A big thanks also to Caleb Miller at Mac40, our audio specialist who produces these episodes. I'm your host, Tom Wooten, and we will catch up next time.